Good morning, everybody. Uh, Mako and I were on vacation last week. Do I, do I look rested? Do I, I feel so much better. I feel human now. Um, okay, a few more announcements before we get into the message. Uh, tonight, I don't know, remember the little video that we watched during the meet and greet the, with the Jake? Jake's not here, is he? Okay, good. He's not here. Okay. Um, <laughs> Okay, so we, we show this little uh, introduction video on, the, on Jake Hamilton's uh, One Flesh ministry. So he's got a marriage ministry that he's done throughout the nation. It's really, it's a great thing. And uh, we're obviously, we get to, to have it at our church because they, they're running our Sunday evening service. So I want to invite you to come out to it. It's, it's, it's absolutely, well, I haven't been to it myself, but I know it's going to be good. Uh, Jake says that he's going to start on time and finish on time. <laughs> so, we'll see. But uh, I want to encourage you guys to come out. It's going to be a great time, and obviously it's geared for guys because, I don't know. Did you guys catch that? Okay. So come on out to that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and uh, the reason why I love Jake and Nikki so much is because they function uh, at a kind of a scary level because he's a revivalist. He's a world revivalist. So he's he's at a... I won't say he's at a different level than all than everybody else. He's just a normal guy. He just happens to be a rock star. That's kind of cool, I think. But you need, what 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 I love about him so much is that yeah, he's he's kind of uh, you know he's functioning at a at a, at a high world class level. Yet uh, he's smart enough to know that if I don't build in character into my life. It doesn't matter what the Holy Spirit does with me. At the end of the day, if my life is a wreck and my marriage is falling apart, I have failed. He's smart enough to see that. Do you guys see where I'm going with this? So you could be a, you could be a Reinhardt. Do you guys know who Reinhardt Bunky is? He's like he's like the the charismatic Billy Graham, right? I mean, you could you could do all these absolutely amazing things. You could be super successful in your life. You could have the perfect job, the perfect career. You could have the 401k that is just beautiful, and you are set and secure. But if if your marriage is a wreck, and if your kids hate you, and if they hate God, you failed, right? So we're putting things into perspective. We have to put things into perspective, and that's why I, that's why that's why Jake's in our church. Because he's the type of person that's putting things into perspective. It is about the kingdom of God. It is about functioning in the supernatural. But it's also about personal character, right? That's where we're going as a church. We've been going there for years, by the way. For years. We want, we want, we want our cake and we want to eat it too, right? Okay. So come on out tonight. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and if you're not married, you can, and if you want to get married, you should come out anyway. You can't do the sex part. But you could come out anyway. All right, and then um, next week it was going to be this. It was going to be the day, but we switched things around. Uh, I want to invite you guys to come out to lunch with my wife and myself. So uh, next Sunday after church, about one o'clock, depending on how long I talk, right? Um, next Sunday after church, we're gonna we're gonna have lunch together, and I want to invite you to come. You know, if it's like your first time, and you want you don't know who I am, you don't know anybody else, this would be a good thing to come to. Uh, we're gonna go to this little place, this little. Uh, restaurant that Mako and I like to go to. It's called Seventh Heaven Cafe, and it's it's right by um, uh, Chipotle. And don't let the name fool you. The Seventh Heaven. They're not. I don't. They're not Christians. So this is like one of. I have a dual purpose. So one, I want to get to know you guys better. I want to hang out with you. I know it's very difficult to to try and to socially fit in and to push into church. It's difficult, huh? 
I've got my, I'll tell my own little story in a minute. But so that's one, that's one of my reasons. I want to, you know, we, I want to eat, I want to break bread with you. And if, if I don't, and like Miss Sheila is coming and, uh, and Joyce Racine is coming, all of, some of our leaders are coming. So you get an opportunity to meet some of the people that have, they're foundational in this church. It's going to be a great time just hanging out, doing nothing. But I also want you to see, to see my heart and for our community. This little restaurant's in Upland. It is a, it is a mom, and, well, it's just a mom business. And it is the only wood fire pizza place in the area. And they're struggling financially. And so this is actually make this is our little mission. So we go there all the time, and we always hang out with them, and we're always social with the owners. And, but I want, you, I, want you, I want you to see my heart. I have a heart for the community. They're not believers. But we go in there, and we, we, we buy their food, we order extra, we tip big, and we show kindness to the owners. And so two weeks ago, we were there, and this, the gal was like, I mean, she was, we don't, we don't, we're just eating their food, right? We're just hanging out with them, and we're just, at, we're just small chatting. And you could see that this woman is broken. You could see that, that she's having such a hard time. Like the bills, she's, she's like, I don't know how we're going to do it. And I said, well, we'll be praying for you. And she's like, oh, that's sweet. And see, so right there, it clicked. Okay, like prayers are good, but this gal needs sales. I said, I, can, I know what I can do. I, I'm going to invite my entire church to your restaurant next in a couple weeks. How, how would you like that? And, and she was blown away. So there's my, there's my dual purpose, right? So there we go. Because uh, um, uh, I'm, the, I'm the senior pastor of this church, but um, uh, I didn't, I didn't grow up, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't graduate seminary, right? I have an art history degree, and I got some MBA experience. I was in the marketplace. I ran my own business. Um, so I know what it's like to be in the marketplace. And so I just I have a heart for it. So anyway, uh, come on out to that. And then in a couple of weeks, uh, in September 20th, uh, we are doing a, a, a back to church campaign. It's a it's actually a national campaign. Did you know that there <laughs> that that the the church attrition rate is so shockingly high that we're developing ministries around the the concept of actually getting people in America to go back to church. Did you know that? I, we're, our church is doing really great for the size of church that we are. I, I'm so, we're so blessed. I'm so excited about the growth that we're seeing in our church. It's, it's, it's fascinating. It's, it's fantastic. Uh, but church in America is in decline. I, there, there's the big churches that are all doing well, but all the big, big giant mega churches, what, what they're doing, they're, just, they're assimilating all these little churches that, that aren't making it. It's just the sign of the times. It's, if you want to look at it business-wise, it just happens, right? Starbucks is going to put you out of business. Hmm? Walmart will put you out of business. The same thing happens in church life. Anyway, um, but there is this, there's this drive, there's this push to reintroduce the value of, of Sunday worship, and there's a whole ministry that's dedicated to it, and we're a part of it, and it's called Back to Church on Sunday, and, you know, usually we do, <laughs> we've been doing this for years, too. We, call it, we used to call it Big Fat Sunday and whatever crazy... Back in the Saddle Sunday, we had all kinds of them. Because people are, you know, they're, 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 I'm still in vacation mode, folks. I'm still relaxed. 
So, but people, they, they go on vacation during summer, and they, they, so they, you, get, you get the kids back in school, you get back in gear, and then you, you, know, you start going back to church, and so this is the idea behind it. So, um, I, you guys are all, I, your faces are all very familiar, so you guys got some consistency in your church-going attendance. You guys are awesome. How many have made three out of, th- three Sundays a month? You guys are, oh my gosh, that's amazing. This is the first service, right? The, the second service, there are a bunch of pagans. You guys are awesome. You've got to be committed. You know what? The, the, the national average is now once a month, maybe twice a month. Isn't that crazy? There's just been a huge shift. Anyway, um, so I totally get the awkwardness of being new in church I totally get the, the difficulty of being consistent in church attendance. I mean, I'm human. I totally get it. Uh, when I lived in South Carolina, you, you've heard this story. If you're new, you haven't heard the story, so bear with me if you've heard the story. And I love telling it, and I've got the mic, so too bad. Um, but when I was in Charleston, South Carolina, I had the hardest time fitting into church because I was from, I was from Los Angeles, I'm like, I don't live in Los Angeles. I live in the suburbs, right? No, don't put that label on me. But they can't, the Southerners, they can't help themselves. Everybody has their place in society, right? And so I have my place as the guy from Los Angeles, and I could never break that mold. And even when I went to church, I could not get out of that mold. And so I had the hardest time. In the peninsula of Charleston, it's all crammed in, like, like 300 years of history, crammed into a tiny peninsula where social economic lines are drawn literally by railroad tracks. It is just weird. You know, poor people, you know, desperate poverty on one side of the tracks and the wealthiest of the wealthy on the other side of the tracks. Blew my mind, okay? And so I'm trying to find a church in this really strange city, so I went to the Presbyterian church. They didn't know what to do with me because I wasn't, I wasn't Scottish. For real. I went to the Anglican church. They didn't know what to do with me because I wasn't English. For real. I went to the Black Baptist church. That was complicated. I finally, I got off the peninsula. I got out of, I got out of these, like, these churches that are basically museums. I got out of the, I got out of the peninsula and I went up to North, uh, North Charleston and... Um, went to this church called, I shouldn't say the name. Uh, it's, one of like, it's one of the biggest churches in the nation right now, ironically. But I went to this church, and uh, it was like the pastor had a Hawaiian shirt on. I'm like, oh, thank God, I'm home. <laughs> I mean, this is just finally. I mean, you know, there's no, there's no crucifixes on the walls, and people aren't crossing themselves and sitting up and sitting down. And uh, the, the, oh, I'm finally, I, I, got a, I got a place to call home. And so I was in this, I was in this, you know, this church setting. Went a couple times on Sunday morning. Kind of had to sit in the back. Had to be, a, you know, it was awkward, right? I'm all by myself. I don't have any friends. And um, um, I, all right. If you're new, if you've been around, if you haven't been around that long, you understand this 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 uh, awkwardness. All right. If I'm really going to do this, I have to push in. I have to f- actually force myself to plug in plug into this community. All right. It feels right. Everybody looks like me. Everybody acts like me. The pastor has a Hawaiian shirt. I can do this. And so I go to the young adult group, college young adult group, whatever it was at the time. And um, 
the pastor gets to know me. There was 30, 40 young adult-ish type people there. And uh, the pastor's interviewing me and getting to know me before the service starts. And then after he starts the service, and I kid you not, the pastor gets up there in front of everybody and he says, uh, we have a visitor here today. His name is Joshua Kaplipsky. And he's an outsider from Los Angeles. The literal words out of this guy's mouth. I never went back. And then I figured out, okay, the reason why I'm not fitting into any place in this society, it's because of my last name. And I was wondering why. Why is everybody telling me where the synagogue is? Yeah. Strange, isn't it? So I understand. So I just want to encourage you. Um, It's hard to push in. And if you have friends and family that are floundering in life, I wanna, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm planting this seed now. Begin to pray for them now. Because it is your responsibility to invite them to church. It, 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 technically, it's not my responsibility to lead them to the Lord. That's yours. But maybe you don't have the skills to do it. I'll do it for you. Hmm? I should teach you how to do it, I think. I want, I want you to, do, I have a heart for you. And I, and I want to see in you, I want to see you develop a heart for your lost friends and your lost family. This is a scary world that we live in. And they need, need, desperately need the gospel of Jesus Christ in their lives. So I'm, I'm challenging you. I'm planting the seed today. Begin to pray. Because in a month, I want you to invite your friends to church. Or I want you to invite your friends into your house. I want, you, I want you to invite your friends into a conversation, a faith conversation about God, how good God is and how he's working in your life, how he's answered your prayers, how you've seen breakthrough, how you've seen miracles, how you've seen the Holy Spirit move and you've been healed. I want, to, I want you to have those conversations with people that are on the other side of the fence. It's hard. And, and we live in this, I, we call it social media, right? Okay, I'm not here to bash social, social, social media. I, I'm a big fan, actually. I love it. I'm a, I like technology. Just, that's what separates us from monkeys, I guess, is technology. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Um, so, uh, you know what? Uh, there's, there's two approaches to social media. One, it is, it is evil, which may be true. Or two, it is a tool. So I'll just, you know what? If you're spending 20 hours a week on Facebook, it's pro- you've got a problem. But if you're using it as glorified email, that's okay. If you're using it as a communication tool, that's okay. Because this is a crazy, busy world. And so I just want to encourage you. Like, if you, if you can't, if you socially can't, like, call your friend up and invite them, invite them on Facebook. I know it's silly. All right. Uh, McKenna, bring up these little things. So I'm going to plug this for a while, and this is just for Back to Church on Sunday. All right. So there we got the slide, too. Very cool. National Back to Church Sunday. All right. Um, do we have the, the church's Facebook page up? Uh, can't get it. All right. You are welcome to get your phones out right now, and you, are, you can like us on Facebook, Granite Creek Community Church on Facebook. You can do that now. And if you do it now, also check in. Why don't you tell everybody, let's, like, put... Social pressure on people. I'm at church today. It's like I voted stickers, right? That's the way we've got to get things done nowadays. Okay, I'm in church today. So go ahead and on Facebook, go ahead and check in. 
So check in now. I'm in church. You're not. You should feel guilty. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Sorry. See what happens when you go on vacation feeling and get honored. There's more to come. Trust me. Um, in, we have a Twitter account. Follow Granite Creek on Twitter. Uh, I have a personal one, too. Do we have those up there? They're coming up. You can look at them in a second. Uh, but those are, those are, I, we do that. We do LinkedIn. Uh, give us your email. We can give you a list of all these social media things that, that we're probably wasting too much time on. But they're, they're working right now in our, in our society. So, I was in, so those are the announcements. Now, should we get into the message? What do you think? Oh, Lord. Let's pray. God, right now, I just pray that uh, you will give us a, a heart for, for people. God, I know that uh, sometimes my worship is lacking. My connection to you and my enthusiasm for worship is lacking is because of my enthusiasm for people is low. So God, right now, I pray that you will just build in us a heart for people, that we will, we will love those that are within our number, and we'll be able to communicate clearly and love well and to speak the truth and love well within our own congregation. But God, I also pray that you just give us a, a heart for the lost. As arrogant as it may seem, Lord, we know that we have the answer. God, we might not have all the details, but we know what truth is. We know who truth is. We know that the church is the hope of the world. So God, I pray that you would just give us this conviction today. In your name, amen. All right. How much time do I got? Little long announcements, huh? There's, I got clocks all over the place now. <laughs> so I got one here, I got one there. I know. Hint, hint. All right. Turn with me to uh, Proverbs chapter 8. We're in a series again uh, on Proverbs. And a series on wisdom, excuse me. Seeking wisdom. Wisdom is, it, it's supreme. It's, it's, it, we've got to have it. We've got we to gotta function in wisdom. Uh, and, and wisdom is actually supernatural. Did you know that? Like, some of us need a, a supernatural impartation of wisdom in our lives because we don't have it. Uh, you can be morally upright. You could have all the answers. Uh, you, could, you, could, you could be almost as sinless as, as the Virgin Mary, right? Well, she wasn't sinless. So it depends on your denomination. Um, and you can still mess up your life. Do you know that? Like you can know your Bible, you can know your scriptures, you can do all the right things, you can say all the right words, you can, you, your moral level can be extremely high, yet you can still make unwise decisions and wreck your life and wreck the lives around you. Wisdom is supreme, therefore at any cost you have to have it. And it's supernatural. It's beyond knowledge. It is, it is the embrace, it is this relationship. And uh, the Bible tells us, uh, in Ephesians, that, that Jesus is the personification of wisdom. He is God's wisdom incarnate. It's, it's amazing. He lived this wise life. Jesus made no unwise decisions. Every decision he made was done in wisdom. He saw what the Father was doing and he did it. Proverbs is the expression of wisdom in a book. And it begins the personification because it's almost as if wisdom as this person is actually writing 
Proverbs, I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. It's amazing. And here we go. This is chapter 8. Verse 1. Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights along the way where the paths meet, she takes her stand. Besides the gate leading into the city, at the entrances she cries aloud. To you, O men, I call out. I raise my voice to all mankind. You who are simple, you gain prudence. You who are foolish, gain understanding. Listen, for I have worthy things to say. I open my lips to speak what is right. My mouth speaks what is true, for my lips detest wickedness. All the words of my mouth are just. None of them is crooked or perverse. Pay attention. The discerning, to the discerning, all of them are right. And they are faultless to those who have knowledge. Okay, so there's a lot going on here. I don't, it, it's, it's actually very, it's cram-packed. There's a, lot, there's a lot to look at. But at the very end, it's like, okay, I, wisdom, I'm calling out. She, I know. So what, what, in the whole narrative of Proverbs, there's this contrast between wisdom being personified as in, in the female uh, gender and the contrast isn't against another male. The contrast is against another female who is, who is the wicked woman, right? She's the prostitute. She is, uh, she's the one that, so the, the, the Proverbs was written to a young man. It was written to a son. To say, son, pay attention to my instructions. Heed my, heed my rules. I am wisdom. And there's two competing voices that are coming out after you. There's wisdom. And she says things like, I'm calling out to you. Well, the, the, the evil one, the temptress, she's calling out to you too. And she wants to seduce you. She wants to drag you down to hell. The other one wants to speak life into your being and to build you up and to strengthen your bones. So there's, there's, those, are the, those are the contrasts here. Now, in this, in this chapter 8, uh, what's, what's amazing about it is we know that we have to have wisdom in us as individuals, and we know that we need to make wise decisions in our families. But wisdom isn't just, she, she's not just confined to, to you. Salvation is a very big deal to God. Like his desire, it is his will that all shall become saved, yet it's also the desire for God, that his creation, all of his creation is redeemed. We live in this really messed up, broken world. And it's difficult to navigate um, this place. Do you guys agree? Okay. We're going to be talking about uh, we're going to be talking about work. I know my, my dad and my mom worked on work a couple weeks ago. But we're going to revisit it again, too. Because... Um, uh, do you work hard, like it's frustrating, like you, just, you feel like you can't get ahead, you have a boss that's mean to you, or maybe you don't have any passion or zeal for what you're doing, like you're bored out of your mind, or you're trying to think to yourself, what am, why am I doing this? 
It's because we live in a broken world. It's, it's flawed. And so not only does God want to save people from hell, but he also wants, to, he also wants his, his creation redeemed, and work is a big part of it. Now, at the beginning of 8, he says, um, I, wisdom, I call out from what? The high places. Hmm? Where paths intersect, and where else? The gate. It's very specific. I mean, you could read right over it. But what, what the writer is saying is, is, yeah, I, wisdom, I want to save you from being tempted, but I, wisdom, also want to be a part of society. This is, this is a very poignant society uh, uh, implication here. Practical application for society. Okay. I, wisdom, is I'm calling out from the highest point. Now, I want you to think back to your history class. What, uh, or vacation postcards. Go to Athens. What's the highest point in Athens? The Acropolis. Every city in ancient Rome, the highest point, was the seat of all authority. And the seat of all authority for Athens was the Acropolis, dedicated to whom? Athena, the goddess. It is under which that entire society they put their trust in, in Athena. And not only was it just a, a religious uh, expression of faith, there was no separate separation between church and state for the ancients. Church and state were one and the same thing. Does that make sense? So wisdom not only wants to be a part of some type of religious expression, wisdom wants to be a part of the political situation. I, wisdom, I'm calling out from the high places. The, the, the readers of Proverbs, the ancient readers knew exactly what they were talking about. Oh, wow. So wisdom wants to, he wants to express, wants to be expressed from the very top, from the very seat of power. We're in a... You guys watching the news, we're in a political uh, season right now, right? We're in a campaign season. And what is at the top is what a society values. Hmm? The, the ancient Athenians, they valued Athena. And when they went to war, who guess who's leading the way? She was. When we started this country some 200 plus years ago, um, what were the highest points in the city? The capital? Nope. The church. Same was true with Charleston. You, go, you drive through Charleston. The highest points in the city. Things have changed now. They've been changed since I've been there. But you drive through this, the city that is one of the very first cities of our nation. The highest points of the city are, are church spires. The same was true with Europe. The same was, was true with all the ancient cities throughout the East. The highest point of the city was always dedicated to God. Our society has changed dramatically. What was the highest point in New York City? The Twin Towers. What were the Twin Towers dedicated to? God? I heard money, right? Ah. We put so much value. I mean... Don't get me wrong, that was a horrible day, right? Everybody remembers that day. But what did, what did, 
what have we, what have we based our value? We, there was a shift, right? Do you realize that there was a shift in our country of what we actually valued? This is going to apply directly to us today as we begin to think about what we do and how we work and what we've been called to do. When I was the youth pastor, I had some kids, you know, and of course, you know, as you're, you're trying to, to give them a vision for their future and direction for their life, and, okay, what do you want to do when you grow up? What do you want to be when you grow up? And we do this with our kids. And um, I had two kids that wanted to go into the medical field. One gal was like, I want to become a doctor. Why do you want to, be a good, why do you want to become a doctor? Because I, I love people. I want to help people. And she's a missionary doctor right now. Isn't that amazing? It's cool. I had another kid. What do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a doctor. Why do you want to be a doctor? Because doctors are rich. True story. Kid in the church. See? You see what I'm saying? There's, there's, we have these, this value system that's, that's broken. Why do people want to become lawyers? Money. There was a day when people became lawyers because they had a passion for justice. That's just not true anymore, is it? I'm, I'm, no, I'm, this is overgeneralizing everything. But she calls out at the high points. She wants to influence society. She wants to influence government. She does. God wants to redeem his creation. He knows that the world is broken. Next point. The next place of influence where she wants to speak, where, she, where she's sounding, uh, where she's just as loud as the harlot, right? Where she's just as loud as the, as, as the prostitute is in the, the intersecting streets. It's the squares. And what happens where, well, nowadays it's all but different because of freeways, right? Well, where, where, what happens when, when there's a crossroads? What usually takes place at major intersections, major highways? What's that? Wrecks. I get wrecks. Walmarts, there we go. We get commerce. Major intersections, we have commerce. And this one this is probably this is the main point of the whole message today is that God wants to be actively involved in the marketplace. He really does. And whatever whatever you have um, whatever you have chosen for a career, he wants to be actively involved in that career. The problem is is that um, greedy people run this place, right? They do. Oh man, I got to behave myself, but I'm I know I'm not supposed to get political because we could lose our 501c3, but who I want to pick on right now is fair game, I think. But I'm not going to pick on him. You can see where I'm going. God has designed us, whether you like it or not, God has designed us to work. In Genesis 1, when God made Adam and Eve, when he made the garden, he gave them specific jobs. They were gardeners. They took care of the garden. 
He, they, they administrated the animals. They named the animals. They used, God wanted them to use their creative skills the way that God designed them to actually function in the garden and to put their hands to work. And this is before the fall, right? And even in the whole creation account, we see God delving into his own creation and getting his hands dirty. He's working. All the ancient gods never got their hands dirty. They never did. They never acted like uh, an agrarian person. But our God does. Our God says, this is how you get your hands dirty. Even our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, what was his, what was his occupation? Was he a theologian? No, he was a carpenter. Uh, technically, he was a tecton. So we don't, we're not quite sure if he was a carpenter, like if he was a framer or not. Uh, the, the, the Greek says that he was a tecton, which is, is a, a somebody that worked with his hands. So some believe that he was probably a mason, like a bricklayer. Wouldn't that, you ever thought about Jesus being a bricklayer? But we don't know what he did. We just know that Jesus worked with his hands, got his hands dirty. So God has wired us this way. One of my, one of my favorite Greek myths is the, is the myth of Pandora, right? And this is, this is, this is part of our, our psychology. This is a part of the human condition. This is, why, this, is why, uh, this is why you don't perform well at work because you have an unhealthy view of what work is. You guys know the story of Pandora's box? It's a lot like our fall story, Okay. So every, everybody is just lounging around. They're eating grapes, and there's waterfalls, and there's people playing harps. It is, it's the Garden of Eden, right? Everybody's happy, but nobody's working because the gods did not value work like Yahweh does. Hmm? And then the temptation. It's kind of like the, the, the tree of good and evil, right? The temptation of the box is given to Pandora. And in the box, she's like, oh, my gosh. You know, the gods say, don't open that box, Pandora, don't open the box. And what does she do? She opens the box, right? And all hell is unleashed on creation, okay? So the same, very similar to our tree. So sickness is introduced into the world. Death is introduced into the world. Crime and, and pain and punishment and all these horrible things are unleashed because a Pandora opened up that box. But guess what else was in the box? It's completely different from what our Bible says. You know what was in the box? Work. Interesting, huh? See, our Bible says work is good. Like God's created you to work. Here's the unfortunate truth. You might not like what I'm going to say, but I think it's true. When we die, we don't get to retire. Like God's got something planned for us. Even in eternity, we're going to be doing something. We're going to be getting our hands dirty. God wants us to be tectons. He wants us to work with our hands. And so if we're, we're a, okay, you get a job. I mean, I've had, I've had a lot of different types of jobs. My first job, well, was outside of, of chores and stripping f- furniture. <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah, we, they made me, child labor. It's just child labor. It was not just. I should, I, I should have reported them. I probably have brain damage because of the chemicals that I used to strip furniture at the age of seven. 
So outside of uh, my parents' uh, idea of slave labor, um, my first, I think my first real job where I got a W-2 was I was cleaning carpets. It's not a fun job. You had to go into strangers' houses and steam clean their carpets, and it was, it was miserable. Then I, you know what was worse than that was cleaning refrigerators. I hated that one, and the boss was terrible. Uh, the, the carpet cleaner boss was amazing. Uh, there's a difference. Both lousy jobs, right? Hot, miserable, stinky jobs. Dirty jobs. You like that show on TV, Dirty Jobs? So I had two of those jobs, and here was the difference between the two. One was the boss. Hmm? My carpet cleaner boss valued work, and he taught me how to work, and he had pride in what he did. He did. He understood customer service. He got up early, he worked hard. And there was a value that he had for it. Are you ready for this? It was part of his faith. It was spiritual. Does that make sense? Uh, the refrigerator cleaning gig, it was a job. It was a job. It was a means to an end. There was no pride in that. And so what we've got, you might have a lousy job. And what I'm, what I'm hopefully get into to, to communicate is you need, to find, you need to find some pride in that. I don't care how lousy it is. I don't care how miserable you are. God's not going to promote you until you begin to start taking pride in what you're doing, even if it's cleaning carpets. Does that make sense? God's created us to work. He's here to redeem his creation. All right. I got so many good things to say. Oh, man. Gosh. All right. Okay, so how do, you find, how do you find fulfilling work in your life? And how do you uh, become, uh, or, or how do you not become complacent or apathetic or even worse, lazy in what you do? All right. Um, or how do you not become stressed? Is anybody stressed out at work? Like you're just losing your mind? All right, here we go. Um, Wisdom says, I think that this is the most important thing that you guys can take home, take home today. Wisdom says, no matter what your circumstances are, no matter how bad it is or how, how much you hate your job or how much pressure you're feeling, or maybe things are circling the drain, you know what the Bible says? You know what Jesus says? What Jesus says in Matthew 6, he says, he says, seek first the kingdom of heaven, and all of these things will be added unto you. That's, that, write that down. I know, I know we've said that a million times. I know, yeah, I know it's like familiarity breeds contempt, like you just don't value that verse, you don't get it, it doesn't make sense, it's not applicable, but I'm here to tell you that it is probably the most applicable thing that you can take home today. Like if you own your business and you're not paying your bills, you can't make it, you don't have the income, like the, the pieces are not lining up, or your, your boss is about ready to fire you, um, maybe, maybe you're a homemaker. You need to know, I, I, I have this... I have this uh, huge appreciation for, for homemakers because it's work. Can I get an amen? amen? It's work, isn't it? 
And, and even the stay-at-home mom, can, she can choose to whether, okay, what I'm doing, do I, do I have to take pride in my house, or am I just, it's just torture for me, right? So these are the things. Now, all right, let's just say things are circling on the drain, right? You're in sales, and you're not making your numbers. Bible says, seek first the kingdom. is so important. We have to seek the kingdom of God in your work environment. And what does that mean? Does that mean that, that I need to start voting for Republicans? Heck no. <laughs> uh, that's not it at all. That's where the Pharisees got wrong. They thought the kingdom of God was a political structure. It is not. It's not even a religious structure that you build into your life. That's not the kingdom of God either. The kingdom of God is the song that we sung during worship is your presence, Lord. Hmm? It is the rule and reign of Jesus right here in church, but also when you go home, you take it with you. It's Jesus being active in your life, in your family, in your marriage, how you're rearing your kids, and yes, even in your work and what you do with your money. <sighs> Don't talk to me about money, Josh. I'm going to have to. All right, you guys ready? Okay, I don't know. Um, if you are kind of like on the, I don't know, the membership list of our church or the leadership list, uh, it was probably about three months ago, two or three months ago, I sent out this beg email, right? Did you guys get this? Did you get my beg email for money? Because I was begging you for money, and it happens all the time. Just get used to it. It's, gonna, it's, it's, it's a nonprofit, right? It's church. I'm going to beg for money. I have to. It's my job. And I enjoy my job. We were, like, financially... We weren't doing too hot. I mean, I forgot the number I, 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 I sent out, but somewhere along this year, we were $30,000 in the hole, in the, in the red. That's a scary place to be for a young leader, okay? Dark nights of the soul for your, for your senior pastor, for your lead pastor, because there's a lot riding on, on, on what I'm doing, right? And I can freak out, and, and I did freak out. <laughs> Freaked out. Now, this is, what, this is what God, this is what Holy Spirit led me into. In, even in the dark nights of the soul, what the Holy Spirit led me into was, was this verse, Matthew 6. Son, you seek first the kingdom of God. And you know what that implies? That implies an incredible amount of risk. And I'm a risk taker, but this, when God says you need to seek first the kingdom of God, that means I'm drawing you into a place of ultimate faith, and you need to put your complete faith in me. And I said, okay, yeah, God, I don't understand. I'm frustrated. The church is circling on the drain. We can't pay the bills. I'm going to have to turn the lights off. I'm going to have to fire people. I'm going to have to take a pay cut. All these things, all these fear things, that I'm, and, and I'm speaking them out, right? And God says, no. You seek first the kingdom of God. All right. And you know what that looks like? You want to know what it practically it looked like? It was introducing the school of the, of the prophetic conference. That's kingdom. Because that's hearing, the God, that's hearing God's voice. You know what that looked like? Booking Randy Clark to speak at our church. Now, those two points, and, and even having... 
Jake Hamilton, talk about sex. Oh my gosh. Letting Jake Hamilton do his thing on Sunday nights. Okay, those are, those are movements towards the kingdom because in that is, is the presence of God, what we've been singing about on Sundays. The rule and reign of Jesus, being able to know and recognize where his presence is. And so I moved us in, in that direction. And I gotta tell you, it's scary. And it took a huge amount of risk because there's in the church, and, I, and, I, and I, could, I could, maybe we could talk about this at lunch next week, but I've seen the prophetic gift abused at very high levels. And in the church, the, the, what I grew up in, I have seen words of knowledge abused at very high levels, and I have seen even what is very dear to my heart, the, the spiritual gift of healing abused at very high levels. And at the Prophecy Conference, Cheryl Allen from High Hop, uh, Jake Hamilton, of course, um, and Randy Clark. You guys might know this, but within the, within the world of, 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 of evangelical Christianity, they're very controversial because they push the envelope because they're after the presence of God. And they don't care how messy it gets. They want God's presence. So seek first the kingdom of God. Oh, I, I thought I was losing my mind doing these things. It's like, you know what? I push into this area. You know what? The church could just, we could shut the doors within a year if this thing goes south. If we get a mass exodus of people because I'm doing the prophetic thing or we get a mass exodus of people because we have Randy Clark. Randy Clark's a very controversial person. I know it didn't seem like it because he led a good 20 people to the Lord the Sunday that he spoke here. It's kind of hard to argue with somebody when your wife gets healed. It's very hard to argue with that, but regardless, people do not like him because he pushes the envelope. That's a huge amount of risk, but I I seek first the kingdom of God. I don't know, within three to four months, our $30,000 deficit is, we're now like, I think we're up a buck. I know. And... I'll, t- I'll take it. And you know what? There was, there was a couple of big gifts. There was nothing over, there was nothing over 10,000. It was all sacrificial giving. It was all people that were sowing into the ministry. It was all people that, that heeded the call. And, and I don't, don't want to say I'm patting myself on the back, but I, 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 I looked for the kingdom of God first. I got to stop. My gosh. What's that? Oh, well, I don't always get it right either. <laughs> Just you need to know that. I've gotten it wrong. Okay, so that's the first part. Okay. Um, okay, so if you're struggling at work, seek first the kingdom of God. Now, for those of you that know the scripture, you know there's a second part. What's the second part? And his righteousness. Hmm. I don't like the second part. Like, I'm actually okay stepping out in faith and risking on the first part, even though it's scary. The second part implies something completely different. His righteousness. I don't have time to go into it, but it's not your righteousness. It's his. It's his righteousness that we have to seek. 
And something that I've become, something that is on my radar right now, and I, I don't know why, but it is, this, it, it is the area of righteousness. Because God's not okay with sin. And I don't, for the sake of our topic, I'm going to have to paraphrase some of these scriptures. Not only is God not okay with sin, he's not okay with an apathetic approach to work. Because that's sin too. I mean, one of the major themes is, uh, um, here, I'll read it. If I get the band and the ushers to come to the front, I'll close with this. Proverbs 18. One who is slack in his work is a brother to one who destroys. One who is slack in his work is a brother to one who destroys. And Proverbs 15 says, The way of the sluggard is blocked with thorns. But the path of the upright or the righteous is a highway. And this issue of being a sluggard or this issue of slack, um, what, it, what the slack actually means in the Hebrew is, is slack in your bow. Like there's no tension in your bow, in your tool, in your, in your, in your tool set, how God has gifted you. You have no tension. There's no tension in it. And... Do you know what the definition of sin is? The definition of sin is missing your mark. It's the same illustration. And what we know the Bible says, it says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So turn to your neighbor and say, you're a slacker. (laughs) The way of the slacker, the way of the sluggard. I I know. Isn't that awful? You'll be talking to your neighbor today. What did you do in church today? Well, we called each other names. Um, that's the way Granite Creek, yeah, I know, other churches, whatever. Um, the way of the slackard, the way of the sluggard, lazy, it's all that same, it's all that, that looseness in your string. There is no tension in your life. God wants you to work. He wants tension. He needs this divine tension in your life in order for you to move forward. Um, the, the looseness, that sloppiness, is the way of thorns. It's pain. Here's the good news. When you take on his righteousness, it is that, that laziness, that apathetic, the, uh, the, and, uh, the inability to be motivated for, for cleaning carpets or refrigerators, you got to realize that the way of the thorns, the night before Jesus went to the cross, was jammed on his head for you so that you can live the life that he lived instead of dying the life that you deserve. Does that make sense? Wisdom is a supernatural thing that could be imparted onto us. That's what we're going to do. Let's pray. Father, right now, I just thank you so much for a faithful church, one that uh, they do value work. They, they put, they, what they put their hands to, it gets blessed. And God, we ask for more of that. God, where, 
we know that deep down inside of all of us, we're all lazy, we're all slackers, we're all sluggards, and we're okay with getting by with the bare minimum. And we have no pride in what we do anymore. So God, I, right now I just pray that we will begin to reevaluate our lives, that the high points... The high points in our lives will not be financial institutions or social structures, but our, our high points will once again become cathedrals and spires. The things that we actually put our trust in will be you and not the systems of this world that breaks us down. God, I pray that we will just embrace the way that you created us and that we will see the wisdom in that. Bless this offering in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. supernaturally have wisdom imparted onto me this week, right? 
You've got to have it. It is beyond you. You've got to have the supernatural wisdom imparted onto me. Begin to think about that. Roll that over into your mind. And it's not, uh, okay, God, give me some information so I can fix this problem. It's beyond knowledge. It's something that we walk in. It's something that changes our lives. God bless you. Have a